Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and every week we like to uh, sit down and talk about movies, video games, comic books. Usually I sit down and talk to someone who makes movies or makes video games. we got lots of great uh, directors and comic book creators and video game experts or actors and actresses on the feed. If this is your first Geekscape, go back, check a couple of those out. But today, I'm sitting down with one of our own. This is uh, Josh Jackson is here with me. We're sitting in a beautiful um, uh, art park, Barnesdale Art Park. Mm. Um, outside, it's a blue day. It's a blue sky. It's amazing weather. This is why we live in Los Angeles, and we're sitting down to talk about E3 because as peaceful as this environment is right now, although you might hear a helicopter or two or a gang shooting. Uh, <laughs> next week is going to be insanity here because it is E3, and that's the topic of today's show, is sitting down with Josh, who's one of the co-hosts of the Geekscape Games podcast. If you haven't uh, subscribed to the Geekscape Games podcast, definitely worth your listen. They, ha- uh, they just have all the information, and I listen to it because I love video games. I don't always get a chance to play them, um, but I always want to keep up to date, and they're a great source of... Not just uh, news, but also like opinion. For instance, I'm pretty sure I want to go buy an Xbox after Derek continually talks about uh, Sea of Thieves. <laughs> it just sounds fun. Yeah, I know. He, he makes me want to play it too, and I had no interest before he started talking about it. And I think the, the system that I am going to buy, and there's gasps all around that I don't already have one, is uh, I don't have a PS4 yet. Oh, really? You know, the Switch was my focus because I love Zelda and, and the Mario franchises so much, and I'm a Nintendo guy. Mm-hmm. But I think you, de- but even though Nintendo has that stigma of not being a hardcore system, so you get the Nintendo and you get one of the hardcore systems, whether it be Microsoft or, or Sony. And the PS4 just had me one over because obviously it's got God of War. Mm-hmm. It's right. got uh, Microsoft definitely is losing that exclusives game, but it also has coming up Red Dead Redemption Two. Right. Red Dead Redemption 1 is one of the only games I've ever 100%ed. Really? And that was a monster of a game to 100%. Of all the games yeah. 100%, that's the game to 100%. It was incredible. And then, of course, the Sony, the Spider-Man exclusive. I'm not going to skip that. I'm, I'm so hoping that there's a Spider-Gwen costume for it. And I heard after you talk about that. Yeah. After the reveal in the movie that they just did with Spider-Gwen yeah. in it, I'm like, the chances, I think, are getting better and better. Yeah, so that Sony movie, uh, the animated Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse, with has a, it centers on Miles Morales, and there's an older Peter Parker. Um, Sony keeps playing this back and forth game with Disney, where Homecoming for sure is part of the Disney Marvel universe. But then you had that really awkward sit down uh, where they were promoting, they were talking about Spider-Man: Homecoming. And the interviewer was like, "Okay, is Venom and the other movies that Sony's making going to be a part of it?" And Kevin Feige sitting there as like. <laughs> The president of next to the president of Sony, and she's like, "Oh yes," and you just see Kevin Feige's eyes be like, "What?" <laughs> um, obviously, he's like, a, "Like would help the Sony Spider-Man movies if they were tied into the really successful Disney mm-hmm. ones." But yeah, um, but then Kevin Feige's probably seen the Sony ones. So that's well, it's tough because it's two co- like competing studios and. With like the I, same franchise, with with some crossover, and I think that Homecoming is such a great movie. Mm-hmm. And did it benefit from Disney's collaboration? Was that a movie that that Sony could have done that great on its own? I don't know, um, but we may get a chance to see that with this new one, the animated one, which I'm I'm excited about. I think there should be yeah. animated ones. I think there should be Spider-Man movies or superhero movies for everybody. Yeah, and to get into a little geekscape 
news and get off the subject of video games for a bit, like Terry Gilliam came out and hated on superhero movies and said they were childish. Mm. And I'm like, well, yeah, uh, hold on. Well. Hold on, guy. <laughs> hold on, guy who did Baron Munchausen and uh, Time Bandits, which I loved as a kid. Mm. Um, and I still, if I wanted to watch those movies, still appreciate it. And obviously, like, I like Terry Gilliam, but would you say like The Walking Dead is childish or anything else that was sourced out of a comic book. Right. And the superhero movies, I think, can say a lot to a lot of different people. Yeah, and even characters like Spider-Man and that kind of thing, they do go into dark areas or more adult areas. Absolutely. You had a, 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 a 14, 15... How old is Peter in Homecoming? Something like that. Yeah, and, 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 and you're doing the, se- the sequence where he's being crushed, and you're like, holy shit, this is, this is dark. And... Uh, and this is a superhero who's spawned out of the death of a family member. Mm-hmm. And as much as we don't want to keep reliving ben, Uncle Ben's death, we have to remember that. Right. You know? Uh, and Batman, born out of tragedy. Superman, born out of tragedy. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what makes these heroes heroes, is having all these burdens and all these big things on them and yet they live to inspire and do good except Batman he's a psychotic right <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to do violence I, I never got a chance to talk too much about Injustice 2 but that storyline always just really intrigued me yeah like in the game and everything where like Superman's the villain and all that he finally had it like I, the, like the plot line from the first game which extends to the second one is like Joker couldn't get to Batman so he decides to get to Superman instead and he kills Lois which sends Superman off the deep end and he becomes like this dictator so it's like a Batman versus Superman storyline kind of thing. It's so. like my favorite part of Superman 3 when they they split Clark Kent from Superman and Superman becomes evil. Right. And like, powerless Clark Kent has to fight him. I think that's one of the, <laughs> the only sequences in Superman 3 that I like. Um, no offense to Superman 3 fans, but <laughs> come on. Uh, okay, so we're going into E3, and at the moment, the only video games I play... <laughs> get ready for this... I still play Pokemon Go. I picked that up again because you guys kept talking about it on the on the the, the show. Yeah, and I never you, stopped. So you I'm never stopped going. playing. And Geekscape Games, you guys kept talking about how you've how they've introduced the new Pokemon and all the different things that they started in the game. So I, I threw it back up, hmm. and I'm having fun with it again. Also on mobile, our website coder Paul, who's working right now on a new version of the Geekscape website. We met uh, about a month ago to talk about the new website, and obviously if you're listening to this and you go to the Geekscape website, uh, feel free to email us and let us know what you think uh, about the site. But he is um, he's addicted to Marvel Strike Force, which is another mobile game. I've seen you guys talking about oh my that on <laughs> <laughs> I loaded Marvel Strike Force, and obviously as a comic book fan, it's fun. It's You put together a team. And you're fighting evil versions of yourself from uh, of the heroes and villains from other dimensions, and it's an invasion of Earth in your dimension, and you have to fight other people who put together their teams, and it's fun, like it's strategy, and there's different, you know, it's a little bit RPG. There's different kind of brawlers, and there's people who are healers and stuff like that, and you have to battle other teams, and it's fun, and there's a lot to do in the game, which is something that when I gave up mobile gaming a few years ago. Or a year or so ago with uh, with No More Pokemon Go, I was like, yeah, these games are too simplistic. This game has a lot. Right. It's kept my, my attention for a long time. And then, of course, I've been playing Pokemon Quest on the Switch. Yeah. Which, which is like, like a mobile game. And surprisingly, I still haven't even downloaded it. And I usually play everything Pokemon, but I've just been preoccupied with all these other games. It's very much an RPG. It's like a light RPG game. 
-hmm. you definitely have to grind and level up your Pokemon and you have to mix and match you only get three Pokemon per a team Mm-hmm. And so you have to mix and match because you're going into different areas where maybe a bug type Pokemon would give you an advantage or a fire type would give you an advantage. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't have one on your team. Maybe you have one, but it's not leveled up. You have to do things like maybe grind to get that character's stats up to uh, a point where it's with it can hang on your team because the, the dungeons do get aggressively more... The areas do get aggressively more challenging. Right. Or you do something like you sacrifice Pokemon in training. You can be... As, <laughs> like, Highlander? Yeah, so, like, if you want to get, like, one of your Pokemon leveled up and you don't want to grind it and have it go and fight it through a bunch of dungeons and try and get these stones, then you give them the stones and they can get higher hit points or uh, attack points. If you don't want to grind through levels that you've already beat to get, you know, your, uh, your Pokemon leveled up, you can go into training, have it beat the shit out of Pokemon that are already hanging out in your little picnic area. Because <laughs> you make little meals, and right. then you open up the little pot after you made a meal. It takes like four missions to to oh, to cook. You open up the pot, and it attracts different Pokemon. Right. They come hang out in your picnic area. And then you murder them. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, sorry. I have to level up my Squirtle because I'm, I'm entering a, an area where water would be really great. So I'm going to have to fucking murder like seven of you who came here because you were attracted to food. Yeah, right. And you just, it's like, oh, after training they leave. I don't see them leave. I just, I just see them get there. Have you seen the training sequence? No, I haven't. Like my Squirtle, like let's use him for example, is like, it just shows you this little animation of him running and punching the shit out of the other Pokemon that you sacrificed <laughs> to level him up. And then at the end, it's like, this is how much he leveled up. I mean, maybe they did leave. It was just in a body bag. Yeah, they, they fucking buried under your picnic area. <laughs> and that is Pokemon. They're the uh, ingredients for the next meal. Yeah, that is, that, that's Pokemon Quest, which I'm enjoying, but the grind is starting to get to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does it, it have like a free-to-play aspect where you, ha- you can pay real money to speed it up? You, can, pl- like you can play real money to get better items, which as you grind, you're picking up, you're achieving different tasks, and, you, and every day you also get like... I think 25 free of these coins uh, and you can use those to buy decorations for your picnic area that will attract different types of Pokemon like if you're like oh I need some more water types I'm going to buy this statue that will bring more blue Pokemon in mm-hmm. or I want to uh, and, and you have to buy those decorations because as they level up they kind of stop listening to you or advancing so you need to buy the bigger statues for their respect <laughs> and to attract other Pokemon to murder you know but you don't want to murder yeah. crazy because you don't want to look up and be like oh man I hope I didn't I wish I hadn't sacrificed that Voltorb because right. now I have to go into a, an area that electricity would really help me out so mm. um, it's does, fun does it have any Pokemon outside of the original 150 it's or 150 it okay. it's, it's all 150 so now we're going into E3 I've submitted, uh, a lot of you guys have submitted questions, um, but i gotta, I got to pause real quick at the beginning of the show and tell you guys that although I'll be at E3, I'm going with a good uh, group of friends of ours called Fanguru. Fanguru is an app, and um, I'm going to give them a shout out because we're going to be working with them at E3, definitely on Tuesday. Uh, the app is called Fanguru, and what the way they describe it is an iOS and Android app that brings... Com- Communities, hold on. My, 
I'm reading this off my phone and my mom is going to like call and they're like, sorry, mom. It's <laughs> 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 so, okay. Let me try that again. Sorry, Fanguru. And there's like a helicopter. We're outside. We're enjoying this. But Fanguru is an iOS and Android app that brings communities and fandoms together, both in-app and in-person, providing industry updates, celebrity news, event information, schedules, etc. So you bet download this app and you can choose whatever convention you're going to go to. Comic-Con is definitely going to be a part of it. Anime Expo is definitely going to be a part of it. And next week, E3 is definitely going to be a part of it. Uh, and Fangirl is, is uh, like a Swiss Army knife for going to an event. You can see the schedules of signings. Uh, you can find out what's going on. So it, maybe if you don't have like the convention book or you don't want to com- carry the convention book, it's all in the Fanguru app. Discover the app dedicated to curating an experience, uh, an experience communities have been waiting for. So listen, here's some talking points. Uh, definitely experience this app. Fanguru is an... Uh, I already said the, the, the bit about the fandoms and also like if, if there's like an event or somebody wants to do a meetup uh, you can discover events and comic uh, and comic cons that align with your interests so I didn't know that it, maybe there's a specific fandom that you're, you don't know you're a fan of uh, go on the app maybe there's a convention for it it's a great place to find that stuff out you can you know you can find it conventions that are near you uh you can also follow like your favorite celebrities and find out like which conventions they're going to be doing signings and appearances at when they're doing their event schedules uh there's also a news feed that you can post in you can buy tickets to the conventions and you can also even book your travel so um it is definitely that swiss army knife for fans um it's also the the official um experience app for e3 so next week uh, download the app and discover this augmented reality capability featuring a scavenger hunt and gamified airship. So this is going to go live on Monday, uh, Geekscapist. And what's really cool is both the scavenger hunt and the airship allow users to earn tickets for their chance to win amazing prizes like private screening tickets to Ant-Man and the Wasp, swag from The Incredibles 2, to, uh, tickets to Beyond Fest here in LA, and more. So I'm going to be down there on Tuesday. I'm going to be using the Fanguru app in the augmented reality capability to be looking around for these scavenger hunt coins. I think they're, they're like, there's, there's these, you got to run around, you got to go around the convention and find it. And then once you've unlocked the different things, including interacting with the airship, which is digital, you're not going to be able to see it without the app. uh, You then go back to the fan guru desk and say, Hey, this is how many points I've unlocked. What does this get me? And it's like going to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these are all my tickets. So you earn, like, these coins or these tickets going around with the Fanguru app using the augmented reality. And then you show up, and maybe you're getting posters for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Maybe you're getting an Incredibles 2 shirt. Beyond that, let's say you do it really well and you do a lot of this, you might even, like, be entered into a sweepstakes to go to a premiere in the future or go to Beyond Fest or get tickets to another event or uh, go see Ant-Man and the Wasp in theaters. Right. So I'm definitely going down there on Tuesday and experiencing the app. I'll be running around E3. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so join me, Geekscapists, and hopefully Josh, like, come down there. Yeah, I'll definitely be down there Wednesday. There's, a, there's going to be a preview for a new Ruby game that I'm going to go down and check out. So there's that. So go down there with the Fanguru app and use it. All right, we'll so do. maybe you'll—I mean, because you love all the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. yeah. It'd be cool to go to the Ant Man and the Wasp screening, yeah. Maybe one, maybe one more down the list before <laughs> one more down the list. While trying to get uh, get everything in order for Infinity War two or whatever <laughs> yeah, they're calling it. Whatever they're going to call the second, the next Avengers movie, we, maybe there'll be a clue in Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm. Um, so I'm excited because those are good guys, um, and I'm excited about the app. It, it, I think the app was 
when Orlando Jones called last week, last year, and was oh, talking right. about the app that they were premiering at Comic Con, the Cosmunity app. It is now Fanguru. Oh, it's the same thing then. It's the new Cosmunity is now Fanguru. Mm. So, uh, if you guys didn't get hooked with Orlando Jones, get hooked with us and download the Fanguru app. Um, and all that augmented reality stuff goes live on Monday, ready for E3. Okay, so let's get ready for E3. I don't have a lot of thoughts on E3 because I know what I want to see, but we already know so much about what's coming in the fall that I can only really fill my head with the idea that I'm going to be playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a dream come true, and a new mm. Spider-Man game. Right. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to. Which is a big source of controversy in the <laughs> Pokemon Sure, fandom, sure. Like. And, and we'll, we'll get back to that because we definitely front-loaded the show with some Pokemon. Right. But um, let's talk about some of the stuff that you're looking forward to because you're a lot more versed in this world than I am. Right. Um, my biggest game is definitely going to be Smash Brothers. Like, that game to me is always just kind of like an event. It's more than just like a game release because... You get to, aside from any kind of new mechanics or modes and stuff that they add, it's always been like this huge collaboration at first just between Nintendo franchises, but now as more and more sequels come out and we start running out of Nintendo characters to use, the question starts to become which other companies are they going to start collaborating with and which characters they're going to add from other from I want to see Level 5 get involved. And I know Level 5 is doing a lot of Sony work now with the Nino Kuni stuff, mm. but I want to see Professor Layton. Dude, that would be awesome. Like, hey, if he had like some kind of like a rapier, yeah, like the, the couple of scenes where he would get in the sword fights, that would Professor be cool. Layton. Um, has Simon Belmont been in the games yet? He is highly, highly rumored to yeah. be revealed at E3 because I would there's think a that... there was a leaked document from Konami saying that they're releasing a Switch exclusive compilation of Castlevania no, with no title, but everyone's assuming it's Castlevania, and they're going to announce it side by side with a Simon Belmont Smash Brothers reveal. I, it may have been an unpopular. Castlevania game, but I enjoyed it. But there was a three-quarter, a two-thirds down mm-hmm. Castlevania game on the N64. Where, oh, I remember. Where that you're one. a werewolf or this or that, and I thought that was a good game. Yeah, you were the only one. Like, you know? that was my first yeah. Castlevania yeah, a lot game. Of it, was that like, was your what? first, and I was like, why do people like this? Game? Oh, I'm all about the original. Yeah, the original was amazing, and then the second one where it had like night and day mm-hmm. stuff, and you actually did turn into a werewolf at night. I love the first two Castlevania games. Right. Um, so Simon Belmont would be great on Smash. Will, is it enough to get me to play Smash? Probably not. Like Splatoon, what we were talking <laughs> about before the show, that's not a game I, I, I have a lot of fun at. I'm not really into the fighting games, but obviously you can't deny the community. Right. You know? And, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that Crash Bandicoot gets added, um, yeah. especially with the Crash collection coming out on Switch. Was he a part of Sony's attempt to do their... Their Smash. No. Remember when Sony did that attempt to do their own Smash with Kratos and all that stuff, and right. it just didn't work. Yeah, Crash wasn't in it. Um, question. Mm. Obviously, with Mario Kart Eight, it got ported from the Wii, uh, Wii U onto the Switch, mm. and they added like the Squidling and stuff like that. And yeah. I never picked up Mario Kart Eight because I already unlocked everything in Mario Kart Eight on the Wii U. Right. And I wish there was a way that I got to just transfer the just save. transfer the save. Yeah. Uh, come on, Nintendo, work with us. And that was my complaint about the Hyrule Warriors on 3DS, and I got abs- reamed for it on the Facebook page absolutely. a couple years ago. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I already did Hyrule Warriors. I don't want to do it again. So, what what about this Smash is going to be different than just a port of the Smash that we got? 
well, on the Wii U. That we don't know yet, which is why there's a lot of kind of intrigue surrounding it. Usually when they announce Smash games, it's usually two or three years in advance, but this time it's coming out this year. That's already confirmed. Um, by all accounts, it's not a port. It's a full sequel. Um, but outside of the Splatoon inklings and, his, and outside of Link having his Breath of the Wild costume instead of the traditional tunic, right. we know absolutely nothing about the game. Are you calling BS on that? Um, as far as what? On it not being main, main, at least 50% of a port of what we already had on the Switch, on the Wii U. I mean, it depends how you look at it, because if they're going to carry over most, if not all, of the previous roster, then it's already going to share like huge similarities with the Wii U version. But that goes for all the Smash Brothers games to an extent. Right. Um, as far as the game itself, I'm really hoping, outside of new characters, which we know we're going to get, I'm really hoping that they're going to have like some kind of a full story mode again, which the Wii version had, but the Wii U skipped on, um, because they were kind of obsessed with making sure the 3DS versions and the Wii U versions were equal. Mm-hmm. It cut out a lot of features, and uh, and they cut out ice climbers because that would have had too many characters on screen at once for the 3DS to handle. So they cut them out of both versions. I'm hoping that we get like a full fledged, com- more complete feeling game, mm-hmm. since it's not going to have to have that handicap of trying to accommodate two systems anymore. Could you imagine if with the success of Breath of the Wild you could play as some of the Guardians? That's what I'm you know what I'm really hoping is that there's two links this time. I'm uh-huh. hoping Breath of the Wild oh, the links champions. a separate character. I meant the champions. Yeah. What, and if, the, what if you could play as any of the four champions from Breath of the Wild? That'd I, be cool. I really hope for that because remember we were talking before about how with the DLC I was hoping you got to play as the champions and that ended up not being the case. But Yeah, I think um, that would have been hard on the engine. Yeah. To be like Yeah. I think they did the DLC really well. Mm. Uh, that second DLC was a chunk load. It was so much fun. Um, I just wanted to be in Super Smash so I could play Rivali versus Falco. Yeah, like the thing is though, <laughs> have that battle. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't think the Guardians are going to get in though because it's right. like they're champions, champions, or cha- champions. So Guardians of the Spider. Guardians, things. right, 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 right. But yeah, um, with the champions, it's like who do you pick for one? I All think four. it would, I would only, yeah, like. Oh, who do you pick to play as? Yeah, like, because they're only going to add, if they add any, it's probably only going to be one of them. Well, so. the Amiibo are already there. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's something that, because I guess we're talking Nintendo first. Here's some, here's some stuff. They're already, they've already gotten rid of um, having the, the Miis. Right. So the Mii is done. Uh, yet you can still play as your me on the, the on the Wii U version. Mm. So you're, I'm guessing you're not going to be able to play as a, a, a me. How popular is it that people want to play as themselves in Smash? Because you remember, like the last Smash had the option to play as yourself and a me. Right. Like, do you see that returning? Um, I do actually, because a big a big talking point with this game is they're trying their best not to cut any content out of fr- that was in the Wii U version, so and that would include back the, the roster. Mies. Bring back the Miis entirely. Mm. <laughs> and all of At it. least, even if there's no customization options anymore, I could still see them keeping the... There was three different Miis. There was a fighter, a, yeah. a brawler, sword fighter, and... Yeah, like a shooter. The shooter, yeah. But here, I could see them keeping the three move types, but not necessarily keeping all the customizable equipment and all of that. And we're, we're always critical of like Nintendo's online experience, and obviously, please listen to Geekscape Games if you want to get more details on it. Um... <laughs> Uh, it's very head scratching, mm-hmm. um, but the me should be the center of your like profile. It should be something that like 
you carry from system to system right. in the same way that if I go out and buy this PS4 tomorrow, my PS3 and login information is all there. I remember porting from the Wii to the Wii U, hmm. and it felt like a continuous experience. It felt like I was just upgrading hmm. my previous experience. And I feel like the Switch, it you feel like an upgrade and a mobilization of that experience. Right. And it has felt like a completely new experience it feels in like good and dis- bad it bad tra- ways. It feels like they're trying to distance themselves from the Wii brand as much as possible. That revolutionary system that sold more yeah, which things they, than they, everything. Yeah, that's my opinion. It's like, like I They changed gaming. Yeah. And that's what I'm that's kind of my I mean they still have aspects of it, like they still have the motion control sure. and all of that on certain games and everything. But as far as the branding, it seems like they're just trying to get far away from it. I think there was like a stigma. We you kind of talked about it or touched on it at the beginning, but the Wii especially gave Nintendo a stigma where they were like not for hardcore gamers, which I can't disagree with more. Like the 360 and the Wii were constantly neck and neck for my favorite consoles during that generation, and the Wii had plenty of like yeah. quote unquote hardcore games. We we get to, whenever you make that argument, Geekscapist, just know that we know you didn't play Mad City. Yeah, right. Which was a great <laughs> game, and yeah. it was violent as hell, and it was fun. Um, and it also had uh, that port of Okami, which I thought was great. Yeah, that's still my favorite port. Yeah, I think that was and my they, favorite port. They just, of, re- yeah. they just ported it again to PS4, and I still like the Wii version more. Just because right. of the, the motion control just feels so natural for that game. Yeah, I would love to see it on the Switch. Um, so, let's talk. Um, okay, we're, I hate to front load with Nintendo, because I, I know there are a lot of fans who want to talk about the other systems. Um, but... Can we get a new Metroid? I well, we Nintendo do. loves to surprise. Yeah, and I think that they learned a lot from Breath of the Wild about having an open, uh, non-Castlevania Metroidvania-style open world. Mm-hmm. You could so. clearly do that with planets and universe and galaxies with a Metroid. System. Right. Can we get a new Metroid game that has an open world aspect to it? Um, it's hard to say. They already announced Metroid Prime Four um, last year, I think. Um, Where is that? We'll probably. I'm hoping we'll see <laughs> it at E3. They said it's not coming out till 2019, so sure. that's not going to be until next year. But, but would that game would would Metroid Prime Four? And I like I love the Metroid Prime games. Would Metroid Prime Four have that open world aspect to it? I think uh, it should. I don't know how you go back to a Metroidvania style. Mm-hmm. After, After Breath, of, Breath of, the of the Wild. I don't know how you do it. Right. Well, the thing is, though, I don't think Metroid's that as big of a priority for Nintendo as, as Zelda is. So I feel like sure. they kind of pulled out all the stops for Breath of the Wild. Whereas I think Prime 4 is not... I don't remember who the developer is, but it's not Retro Studios uh, who did the first three. And it's not... I don't think it's Nintendo directly either. It's like a new okay. developer they're bringing in. So, we're having so I would imagine a new developer wouldn't want to toy too much with the formula of an existing franchise like that. What do they have to lose? Yeah. Because think about like rock, what Rocksteady did to change the Batman mm-hmm. franchise. Like, like Batman was... I don't think Batman had ever had a real successful, iconic experience in video games. When you think about, like, I loved the 1989 Batman game <laughs> for the, the NES. I thought that was great. I liked the portable on the, on the Game Boy. But we're talking about, like, side-scrolling 2D, 2D games. Mm-hmm. And other than that, Batman really didn't have a lot of success in video gaming until Rocksteady took over the franchise and said, hey, we got nothing to lose. Right. Let's do this. And then for a new, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about Metroid Prime being a franchise, but... Mm. This new studio, what do they have to lose than to say, hey, we'll take that Metroid Prime first-person style mm. and we're going to 
open it up. Right. And, and let you really let you explore the galaxy at your leisure. And if there's a place that you can't access because you're missing something, you got to go get it. In the same way that in Breath of the Wild, you can't get to the top of the mountain because it gets too cold or you can't go into the desert because it's too, too hot without acquiring certain items. Right. But it still feels open world. Yeah, like if they were to do it that way, I feel like they can follow the formula that God of, the new God of War uh-huh. has where <coughs> it's, it's very, the new God of War is very Metroidvania style in 3D, but it does it in a way where it doesn't, it's not like explicit. Sure. So it's an open world, but it's kind of like a, a collection of smaller open worlds as opposed to one huge one. Uh-huh. And as, as you progress planets. through the game, yeah, right. So then, and as you progress through the game, because in God of War, there's different realms. Since it's Norse sure. mythology, you can travel between Midgard and a few of the other nine realms. So as you progress through each realm, you'll get new powers in one realm that you could go back to Midgard and uh, find treasure chests that you couldn't reach prior. Because it, 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 it would be cool to have a galaxy that you can traverse, but planets have that feeling of being a place you can go to or return to, mm-hmm. or also like a meteor belt or right. having something cool like ship like 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 a ship junkyard like mm-hmm. you see all these destroyed battleships and some of that and you got to you got to see what destroyed them and go through them those are things yeah. that we've seen in earlier games but it was very linear and i don't mm-hmm. know if gaming's going to continue on this linear path anymore yeah and it's hard to say cuz another thing to keep in mind with metroid in particular is that we're coming off of a lot of experimentation with metroid and people hated it so right. I feel like before they go too far, and I don't, not that I'm disagreeing with what you're saying, because I would love that, but just in terms of what I think they're going to do with uh, Metroid in the immediate future is that they, they're coming off of Federation Force, which was completely panned and everyone yeah. hated it. And they're coming off of, I think the last big console Metroid was Metroid Other M all the way back on the Wii, which was really, was really experimental compared to a lot of Metroid games and people hated that in general. Um, I liked it, but that's yeah. in the minority. Um, so I feel like they kind of are going to try to use Metroid Prime 4 to kind of build up a little bit more good faith before they try to go too far in a different direction. I'm only bringing it up because clearly we just got a Mario game. We just got a, the best Zelda game ever. Those I see those three franchises as like the pillars of Nintendo. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I do put Metroid up there with those. Um, it, it needs some love. We yeah. got the Zelda love. We got the Mario love. I would love to see Metroid get some love. Um, Pokemon's clearly going to get some love because we got a new game in 2019. We've got the Let's Go games coming out in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as worried as I think the most hardcore Pokemon gamers are about the new games. I'm okay with something that has a mix of the RPG elements that we know from like the old school red, blue, and yellow mm-hmm. mix in with some Pokemon Go aspects and some social aspects with teaming up with your friends. Um, and I don't mind the leveling system that they've done on Pokemon Quest or the leveling system that you got from Pokemon Go. Right. Um, we'll just see. You yeah. Know? And is like, I don't understand the backlash because it's very clearly a spin off and they've said over and over again that it's a spin off. So. I mean, what's the harm in a, what's the harm in a spinoff if you're going to take it in a different direction? Yeah. I mean, it's not affecting the main series. You'll still have that. It's still going to be there. And you know what? Don't complain if they don't botch the interactivity. Mm-hmm. I think the ways that this thing can fail is if not Pokemon, Pokebank accessible, Pokebank accessible. Because mm-hmm. think about a, a player like me who's who's kind of casual. 
in never in the 20 years of playing this franchise have I filled up the 150. Right. I never filled up the 150, the original 150 on red. I never yeah. did it on yellow. <laughs> I never did it on Pokemon Go. That, and those are three chances I've had to pick up to pick up all 150 <laughs> of the original Pokemon. That makes me feel like such a loser. I have like all 900 and like <laughs> it's fine. Pokemon it's fine. Sun listen, and Moon. <laughs> listen, you and I are not equal Pokemon. Pokemon trainers, all right? I'm like the guy who shows up at the gym and you're like, maybe you can sweep the floor, all right? Like, you're the gym master, all right? And like, you don't even let me in the door, all right? You can clean the windows, Jonathan. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of Pokemon trainer I am. Kind of casual, not that serious, not going to be a gym leader. So I would, you know, it allows me, if I could find a way to play the Let's Go games and maybe fill in the blanks right. on some of these Pokemon now that I think back, I'm like, have I gotten all 150? The answer is always the Pokebank. Yeah, like, right. That is like the independent storage for all of your games where you can just dump all your Pokemon from all the different games into Pokebank. And it, as much as it's a storage resource for gamers, it's also an index. Right. It really is your Pokedex. And I've never used it. I've never filled it. I thought that I was going to do it when they dumped the, the originals back on 3DS. I didn't. Um, and then when I started playing Ultra, the, uh, the different you know games after that, I just didn't use Pokebank. It seems like Pokemon Go is where I've caught the most Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. And if they made it accessible through Let's Go to access the Pokebank, mm-hmm. it might help. Yeah. Well, the thing I'm worried about, like one of my biggest concerns for the game is, and I'm crossing my fingers that they're just trying to keep a surprise for when you beat the game or something. Yeah. But all of the literature so far says it's only the first 150. Yes. New system, potentially new Pokemon fans Mm -hmm. don't see the problem. Mm -hmm. Hardcore gym leaders like you, that's why I'm going to reference you from now on, hardcore gym leaders like you are going to get your hardcore game in 2019. Right. A game like this seems like it's for people like me who are more passive fans of the franchise or are newer fans who picked up with the Switch and picked up with Pokemon Go, and now they can let's go. I think that is a huge hint at yeah. what we're going to get here. Yeah, and I'm thinking more along, like, not necessarily being able to transfer every single Pokemon from Bank into it. Sure. But at the very least, I feel like Pokemon Go itself already has, like, 300-something. Yes. So to me, it kind of feels like a missed opportunity if you can't completely utilize Go. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, I think we're going to be stuck with the 150, mm-hmm. and then they're going to sell us a Let's Go CB on the next one. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to end up with another Let's Go game. Mm-hmm. And that one will be the equivalent of, you know, Gold and, gold silver. and silver, and then we're going to do it again with the, with the, <laughs> with the, the next games. Yeah. And hello, you're trapped. <laughs> Good, that's the rest of your life. Is the 3DS done? Uh, Are we going to get any 3DS announcements this time around? The 3DS, as far as I'm concerned, the 3DS was done two years ago, and I was shocked that they kept releasing content yeah, for it. I but. was like, are you kidding me? I have to buy a new, new Pikmin game? Mm-hmm. Was that game any good? Uh, not that... I, I played the demo and didn't like it. The okay. reviews of full, the full game weren't too much better than my initial impressions. I'm a Pikmin so. fan, but it felt like a chore to have to go back to a system that I had lost interest in. Yeah. Including, like, the, the, the Metroid remake mm-hmm. that they released recently on the, the 3DS within the last year, and I was like, oh... Still not going to go play yeah, it. Yeah, and that was a really good game, too, but I played it about halfway through, and there was just something about it where I just don't really feel up to playing the 3DS. Like, the only major 3DS game that's coming out that I can think of 
is they're coming out with a remake of Mario and Luigi's Bowser's Inside Story. Which was great the first time you played it. That's one of my favorite RPGs of all time. And I would love to play it again. And I probably will pick it up on 3DS, but it's not like... If it was a Switch game, I feel like my enthusiasm for it would be through the roof. But since it's a 3DS game, it's kind of just a whatever, like, back of my mind kind of thing. Right. So, really, unless they do something fairly innovative with the dual screen nature of the, the DS and the 3DS... Like, the Switch has cannibalized its entire audience. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and again, like, like um, our friend Ben Snyder, who's a great geekscapist, and he submitted that question about, are there going to be any more 3DS announcements? And I was a little smart-ass. Sorry, Ben. But I was like, math equation. How much does Nintendo make on selling a new 3DS game versus how much does Nintendo make on selling a new Switch system? Right, yeah. And clearly Nintendo is interested in selling the Switch system, but... Um, then again, though, they've just we'll released see. like three new models of the 3DS, too. Right. So that's another thing. It's like, right. I don't, as far as I could, I heard, too, like the Nintendo press conference notes that were, that supposedly leaked, who knows if they're legit, but there was like no 3DS huh. on it. So it's weird, though. Like, I don't want them to, and I don't really see them doing it. But then again, it's weird that they just released two new 3DS models, and they're not going to have anything to go with it, really. Do you see third party developers? continue to support that system um like here and there but right. i don't think any major releases are going to come out it'll just be those crappy ports where it gets released on every system right like whatever or those like japanese generic. companies yeah or those japanese companies <laughs> you know they're like well we can't dump this stuff onto the vita anymore <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and josh still has to do his punishing schoolgirls game <laughs> the vita like listening to you talk about the vita made it sound like it was the per- biggest Pervo system ever. It, <laughs> it, it kind of like, was. I mean, the 3DS has some games like that too, but like the Vita, like Sony dumped it pretty early. So yeah. with Nintendo, you have pervy games on the 3DS, but you had like your Mario's and your sure. and other games to balance it out. Whereas when Sony dropped support for the Vita, all you were left with was like the spanking yeah. games. And you got to spank these schoolgirls in order to get the demons out of them and their clothes will tear. And it's like, <laughs> what? You're describing some of these games and I'm like, Dude, that's not legal. It's like you're the headmaster of a of a school where the schoolgirls have been possessed by demons. The only way to get them out is to spank them. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And, like, speaking of, like... I would I be guess, laughing my ass off listening to you talk about those games. <laughs> and that'll be a good transition to PS4 because sure. like, one of the PS4 games that are coming out this year is... <laughs> a remake of the very first Senran Kagura game. <laughs> and Senran Kagura, de- the first game debuted on 3DS. This is why and, Like, here. the whole... That franchise came to be because the guy who created the game saw the 3DS <laughs> and was like, what would I want to see in 3D more than anything? Oh, that's right, boobs. So <laughs> he made it on 3DS, and it became a pretty big franchise. So now they're doing a full-on remake on the PS4 for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... All right, here we go. Let, let me let me open up the questions because maybe the questions will tell us some <laughs> of what the audience is looking for on this. Okay, let me leave this. Li- okay, I'm going to find these on my Facebook. These were submitted via Facebook, or you know what? Let's just start right up with our friend uh, Juan Carlos's question that he threw you on the Twitter. Um, let me see. He uh, Juan Carlos. Asked, what does Josh think of Super Neptunia RPG being the first in the series to go 2D and to be developed outside of Japan? I am very, 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 very excited for it. It kind of goes really? back to what you were talking about with Metroid, with having a new developer and a new set of eyes. Yeah. Um, the thing about Neptune is 
I love the series, but the gameplay is getting tired because it's the same. It's for the most part the main series is the same developer. They'll make tweaks to the gameplay here and there, but they're <coughs> all pretty close to each other. So now after playing like the sixth one, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm overdue for maybe a little bit of change, a little bit of innovation. Right. But the thing with that series is that. And a big part of its appeal is that it's a parody of the video game industry as a whole. So there's like, there's gameplay nods, but there's also jokes in the writing where they'll make fun of like Super Nintendo games, they'll make fun of companies, they'll make fun of themselves. Right. And listening to you talk about what I thought was the final game, mm-hmm. this this is a game that was designed to have a an ending, and you were telling me how like it was mind bending how the ending was, where you realize that the developers of the game. Are oh wait no bad, no no wait, you're, or, you're mixing it up yeah, I'm mixing Dang, it up with Danganronpa Danganronpa the yeah. other one that I yell out at, I yell out both of those <laughs> at I yell out both of those at Comic Con okay so we'll get to Danganronpa is Danganronpa really over as of right now it seems so okay. they haven't so, announced anything okay. new since. my bad Geekscape is okay um, yeah I, I I think that like innovation is crucial to gaming as mm-hmm. much as I loved because we're always like hey why do we get only one Zelda per system or only like one major Mario game per system. In the Wii U I loved that we had a 2D Mario mm-hmm. in New Super Mario Brothers and then you also had the one that was a top down for a bit or the three quarters top down. Right. Um, I love Mario Galaxy. I think that first Mario Galaxy is phenomenal and Mario Galaxy 2 might be a better game yeah. except the fact that Mario Galaxy 1 exists and I'd already played through Mario Galaxy 1 so I really only got through three quarters of Mario Galaxy 2 before it got tired of me and I thought the full orchestra score is still my favorite music in any Mario game Mm -hmm. I I think that those games are beautiful but without innovation it just wasn't enough to get me through the second game right so as much as we want more of the same we really don't Mm -hmm. we don't and it's an unpopular opinion I think but Mario Galaxy 2 is still my favorite Mario game even more so than Odyssey at this point Odyssey's great yeah Odyssey's great but something about Galaxy 2 like for whatever reason I had the opposite experience of what you're describing Mm -hmm. like I was expecting that but I didn't feel like I I didn't feel like I was doing the same thing that I had did in Galaxy 1 all the way up until I was maybe at my like 90th, 100th star. Right. Like it, it did a good job of expanding on the concept of Galaxy 1 and giving you so many new powers and abilities to where it still felt 100% fresh for the like, large majority of it, was my take from it. We're really in the weeds, so if you yeah. were somebody who's gotten this far in the podcast and you're like, I thought they'd talk about movies. <laughs> there are as 12 years of Geekscape back on the feed that you can go and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they'd talk about comic books. Go through back <laughs> to the feed and get your comic book fix. Yeah, but uh, like, but regarding Neptune, yeah. it's it's a two, it's a 2D game this time. This is the first 2D game in the franchise's history. It's an RPG and the title itself Super Neptunia RPG is a play off of Super is. Mario RPG. I think I know what the series is. It's the one that takes place in like a sort of industrial revolution era like Europe is that it no okay then I don't know what the fuck you're, I don't know what the fuck it, you're talking about it's it's the one where the four main characters are represented are like are essentially the ga- different game consoles oh yeah 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 no, yeah. yeah you took me back what the one I was thinking about what was the one that I was thinking about that's also a turn-based strategy slash RPG? um you're not thinking of codename steam are you no no I did uh, not like that game at all yeah me neither there's a PS there's a PlayStation series PlayStation series Valkyria Chronicles. That's exactly what it is. I love that game. And, and part great. four, part four is going to be at E3. Um, that was a cool game, and it does have that kind of like not steampunk, but 
industrial revolution spanish civil war kind of era thing it was cool mm-hmm. okay so we were talking about um innovation and david rosen on facebook i don't know if he's serious with this question he goes tetris vr is all that matters tetris vr isn't a fucking thing is it there's a new tetris game that just got announced like yesterday is it um, VR? I haven't seen the details, but it's supposedly like really trippy. So I wouldn't be surprised if it at least has VR support. I can see how that would be cool. Uh-huh. Tetris VR would be really cool. Um, but you know what? Are we still just chasing the heyday of when Jonathan was Tetris champ of the world <laughs> back there on the Game Boy? I think so. I think they're making it just to be able to bring you back to those days. Let me tell you something, fools. <laughs> you don't want what I will bring you, Okay. Back during the Game Boy era, I don't think I ever lost a match. When we had that link cable, uh-huh. okay, that link cable was something that I was putting around your neck and choking you with. All <laughs> right, they try to yank it out when remember you're about the, to win. Remember the link cable on the Game yeah. Boy? Like, I would choke you out with that link cable. I was killing you in Tetris so bad. The link I was cable the greatest. Was the I was the greatest player in the world. I'd be I'm playing. saying it right now. I was the greatest player <laughs> in the world on Tetris. So in VR, this is what happens if you get me in that VR system. You're going to hook me up. You ever seen the lawnmower, man? You don't, it's a bad idea. <laughs> That's a bad idea. You do not want to hook me up to Tetris VR. I will go into the game. Hmm. I will become the singularity. All right? You do not want me going into the fucking game. Okay? The Lawnmower Man sequel you did not want. <laughs> you do not want to call Pierce Brosnan, who is in Lawnmower Man, to stop me. I will become the lawnmower man of Tetris <laughs> VR. You'll be like, the game is playing me now. I'll be like, hello. <laughs> when you're beating people, do they ever try to yank the link cable out? No, because yeah, it's the- around their throats. <laughs> <laughs> they do that shit to me on Pokemon all the time. Do they really? Yeah. Those like, I'm about sh- to beat them on Pokemon. Like, oops, sorry. Eh? These people are terrible human beings. Yeah. I didn't but, mean to trade. You know, it'd be really cool, though, if they came out with a VR Tetris sphere. Did you ever play that? No. It was like I don't think I played Tetris past the Game Boy. It was like a ball of Tetris pieces, and you had to fill in cool. the spaces to clear it out to like kind of get to the center of the sphere. Oh, that sounds cool. It was, a, it was on N64 back in the day. That um, was a really cool one. Yeah, no, I, I did the equivalent of the link cable pullout by saying, you know what, after the Game Boy, I'm not playing another Tetris game. <laughs> People can beat me up. Uh, Jason Elliott asks, what exactly is the Avengers video game? Reboot of Ultimate Alliance or something entirely new? I loved the Ultimate Alliance games, and beyond that, I loved the those top-down X-Men games as well that came out in right. that era. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it has to be something along the lines of Ultimate Alliance because you already, even though it's a more child-focused game, you already have the team-up brawlers with the LEGO games, and they mm-hmm. come out with LEGO Marvel games all the time. And those are days. good games. And they're, they're good games, but that's why I'm thinking this one has to be more like an RPG-style thing because you already have the established Avengers brawler. And I, that would be a real welcome return, too, because we haven't had a game like that since Ultimate Alliance 2, and that was, like, back in what? Like Jason Elliott, I'm just going to tell you, what's up, dude? Hit me up on that Marvel Strike Force. It's basically what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel Strike Force on mobile. You know I'm playing that. Um, yeah, no, I loved the uh, those Ultimate Alliance games. I thought those were really good. Um, the other games that I thought were really great were those original, uh, same era, that those Lord of the Rings games that were roughly 2D side-scrollers. Mm-hmm. I thought those were great games. I guess Shadow, the Shadows games now have basically taken over that franchise. I haven't tried those, but I heard the second one wasn't as good. I have the second one, but that's one of the many games I have and never even opened. Right. Um, but the first one is phenomenal. Um, Jacqueline Lopez. Hey, Jackie. She's one of the co-hosts of Geekscape Podcast 7 of Wine, mm-hmm. for those of you who are big uh, Star Trek fans, you can listen to that Jackie on that podcast. She says, can all the AAA games hire me as a VO actress, please, and things? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Why not? You got my vote. You may have to start with the single A games. 
to get there. <laughs> All right. I hear Neptunia might be hiring. Yeah, the Custer's Revenge remake. Oh God. <laughs> uh, well, I love Anthem, even though I hate playing online and with others. This is Gina Glenn, who I met at Comic Con last year. Hmm. Also, Wilbeth, uh, well, I love Anthem. What is Anthem? Even though I hate playing Anthem's online. Anthem's a new Bioware game that's coming out. Will you? Will she love it? Um, if she loves those kind of games, sure. Uh, I'm kind of burnt out from Bioware a little bit. Like Mass Effect Andromeda was kind of uh, sure, yeah, a big letdown. But again, like when you go to a new developer, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was a new developer for them, right? For that franchise, uh, the Mass Effect franchise. If I remember correctly, it was still Bioware, but really? I don't think. I think what you're thinking is that it wasn't like the main like team or it something the along the lines team. of that. Something along those lines, but it was still Bioware. Okay. Will Bethesda's big release be their new sci-fi IP? Obviously, like Fallout 76 is something you guys talked about on this last episode of, of Geekscape Games. Go download that if you definitely want some Fallout 76 conversations. But what do you think of this new sci-fi IP that Bethesda has been rumored to have? Um, are you sure it's not a Skyrim remake? <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, but... Yeah. I mean, Bethesda does amazing work. Sure. So... I feel like they might be spreading themselves a little thin in the genre if it's another if it's another open world RPG. But then again at the same time I'm still also hoping it's an open world RPG because the most of the games that they release that aren't like tend to not be very pretty good. forgettable stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, yeah, Skyrim's pretty incredible. Is there going to be another Elder Scrolls game at any point, do you think? I hope so. Yeah. Um, we've been riding the Skyrim train for like almost 10 almost years. 10 years it's now. incredible. Um, and I mean so much so that like Witcher is now like the like hey like if you want to scratch your Skyrim itch go play the Witcher games right you know if you want to destroy both those itches go play Zelda Breath of the Wild <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like I like it it's it's a I was explaining to a, a big Witcher and Skyrim fan why I enjoy Breath of the Wild more mm. and I was like remember before you had like fast travel you'd unlock fast travel for different locations how mm. slow it was going to different places right in those games it was unbearable mm-hmm. I'm like I don't want to march myself to a mountain to go through the mountain <laughs> then on the other side of the mountain to you know what I mean like mm-hmm. no I'm sorry I'm just going to play the Breath of the Wild um, Andy Rattinger says do I have to see E1 and E3 to get E3 no um, Ian Rainey says I'd like your thoughts on the leaks and what effects that has on E3 you guys talked about it a little bit on Keyscape Games like these leaks that you have uh, really, you know as you said there are data mining or the, uh, one of the big releases was spoiled by having a photo of a keychain <laughs> uploaded mm. to the internet yeah. physical keychain what effects do you guys have do, do, do developers necessarily pivot when a leak comes out or do they just stay the course I think I think a lot of times they say the course just because they don't really have much of a choice. Like, just to tie it into, like, I hate to bring it up in the, on the games podcast, but, like, with, like, wrestling, for example. If something sure. leaks, they'll, like, change it. They'll change it within, like, right before the show starts because they want to just still surprise people. Sure. But with, like, the games, it's, like, you already have these big presentations written out. A lot of them are pre-rendered in 3D and everything. It's not, like, something you could just overhaul a week, a week away from the presentation. And you're racing to E3. Yeah. Like, E3 is a big, like, uh, goal for a lot of these developers. A friend of mine is, works at Insomniac, and mm-hmm. uh, I haven't seen him in three weeks because... Because of Spider-Man. Because of Spider-Man, yeah. and it's not necessarily the release of Spider-Man, it is the release on the E3 uh, demo or mm-hmm. presentation. It's like he, he's just there day and night making sure that everything's 
uh, all the bugs have been worked out. Right. Um, and that game looks phenomenal. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, where is El Chucho? Derek, you don't know what you ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Fogles, I would like to know everything and anything and everything about Let's Go Pokemon. We already talked about that. Jason Ryan Lovett says, what is the future of The Witcher, Fable, and Elder Scrolls? We did mention Elder Scrolls. We don't mm-hmm. know anything about the future of it, but mm-hmm. The Witcher and Fable. Well, Fable is dead. Like, um, Fable's dead. So there's that. Fable is dead when they started doing like those bad ones for the for that Microsoft tablet series. And yeah. I was just like, no, no. I, th- I thought Fable was dead after Fable 2. I thought so, too. Well, I didn't know that until Fable 3, but, uh, that, <laughs> but it, that's how it turned out. Fable 3 was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, but I, I loved Fable. I wish yeah. they would revive it. Yeah. But Milo's like, playing Fable right now. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, like, Gary Molyneux or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, Peter Molyneux. Peter, Peter Molyneux, when he created Milo, that creepy kid that you could talk to. <laughs> And I was like, uh, yeah, that, that was, that's the person playing the future of your Fable series. And then what as a, far as The Witcher, that's, yeah. that's going to be a long way off because they're working on their new game too, right? They, they, have that, sure. they have this new game that they pretty much jumped into development right after Witcher wrapped. So mm-hmm. that's their top priority before anything Witcher gets discussed, I'm sure. Uh, Keith Tralins asks if I'll be blowing my Vuvuzela at E3. That is not an epithet. That is actually literally I have a Vuvuzela. I don't know if I'll be blowing it at E3, but Keith Trailens does work for FanGuru, which is the Swiss Army knife for fan apps. So, guys, I'm not joking. Download FanGuru if you're going to E3 and you can interact with with all the AR stuff that they're putting up on Monday. And you can enter to win cool prizes. Uh, I think that if you are not going to E3, you can still download the app because they're going to be very active at Comic-Con, and obviously the app gives you a lot of information about conventions in your area, where your favorite celebrities might be, and uh, it's just a good app to have because it keeps you in touch with all that stuff, and you can talk to like-minded fans, make your own convention. Um, yeah, and Benjamin Snyder, poor guy, said, is there anything good coming for the 3DS? <laughs> uh, yeah, like your third copy of Pokemon. <laughs> uh, Alex Halisic. Uh, who I love says, "When will Final Fantasy VII, the when will the remake be ready, <laughs> and how good will Super Smash Switch be?" Um, as far as Final Fantasy VII, sometime after, probably sometime around the PS6, I'm guessing it'll be a launch <laughs> title for the Final Fantasy VII for PS7. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's that seems like it's going to be a long, long, long way off. We still don't even have any solid details on it, and it's been like what two or three years since they revealed it. Right. So. On those uh, Geek TV Games podcast, you were talking about how Microsoft has created this Xbox One X, mm-hmm. which should be like the version of the Xbox One that people get because there was some disappointment about the original Xbox One. Mm-hmm, right. um, how does Microsoft fix some of the disadvantages that they have with a lack of it? like exclusives or what are some of the big announcements that they can come out with that are going to write that ship because it's yeah. I mean I'm not looking at sales numbers from what I can tell Sony is kind of kicking it in the pants yeah. on that and obviously the Switch is doing great yeah right um, Xbox is really frustrating to me because the perception is that they don't have um, a lot of good exclusives I personally thought that within the first three years of the Xbox One being out, that was the system that I was playing all the time, whereas PS4 just seemed kind of filled with remasters Yeah, um, for the most part. But 
over the last couple of years, it's just been a complete reversal of that, where PS4 is constantly coming out with great stuff, and the Xbox is just spinning its wheels. And they have a lot of um, great franchises that they're just kind of sitting on, like Crimson Skies. We haven't seen a Crimson Skies game since the original Xbox. We didn't yeah. even get one on the 360. That was a fun flying game. And they acknowledge it. They know it exists because they keep re-releasing it as like a backwards compatible game and all that. Like one of their flagship ones, usually. So if they know how popular it is, why don't we see another one? Right. Um, Crackdown which to me doesn't seem like it should be that hard of a game to kind of... Keep going. Keep going. That first it, one was incredible. Yeah. And the second one was fun. The, fact, the second one did some good stuff. Yeah. And the, so the third one's been delayed now for like over a year now. Like they just announced, I think yesterday or two days ago, that they, that Crackdown's being delayed till 2019. And everyone was assuming that Crackdown 3 was going to be their big game this year and a release date for this year was going to be their big takeaway. And now we're losing that. Right. So it's like the content's there, they have the franchises, they have talented developers, and they have a lot of money, so if they really wanted to, they could throw money at third parties to make stuff exclusive, but instead, we're just sitting on what we're sitting at now. And Did like, that blow up in their face, though, with the, with the Street Fighter stuff? Um, Do you remember when, they, when like, they made Street Fighter exclusive and... Oh, that was Sony, though. Oh, so Sony. Sony oh, made Street Fighter Does some of that stuff blow up in their face when, like, Sony makes Street Fighter exclusive, but the developers are more interested in getting a edge into esports mm-hmm. so they had like a platform release for some of the characters on that game and mm-hmm. the game was admittedly shipped without being finished right yeah um yeah like in street fighter it's been fairly well documented that that game's really really suffered because they took that approach Right. Um, Xbox has their own version to an extent with their Killer Instinct game. Sure, that's that's where we're going, mm-hmm. yeah. And with Killer Instinct, it was less of a problem than Street Fighter because, for one thing, Killer Instinct is owned by, was developed by Rare, so Microsoft owned that. So right. it, that was different from Street Fighter in the sense where Street Fighter just, they just paid Capcom a lot of money to make it exclusive, whereas in this case, Killer Instinct is Xbox's game, so that it's not coming to anything else, but... With Killer Instinct, it was less of an issue because they were upfront about what it was beforehand, and also because, to be honest, people in the fighting game community especially don't really care about Killer Instinct as much. It's not nearly as iconic as Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. So with Killer Instinct, it has its dedicated fan base, but it's kind of it's kind of confined into that. So we've got um, situations now with the, the explosion of Overwatch and the Overwatch in the Overleague. In Geekscape, we have another podcast, the Overleague Podcast, which you guys can listen to. Um, it's awesome. Um, it keeps you guys up to date with the whole Overleague and Overwatch news, and it's like an ESPN show for Overwatch uh, and the Overleague. So, w- what keeps some of these developers who are creating fighting games or some of these competitive games that lend themselves to esports from starting to create their own ecosystems? To, to do their own conventions as like we have with BlizzCon mm-hmm. or we have uh, their own leagues yeah so they can skip some of the gaming leagues all together I mean what's the big one in Vegas uh, Evo the Evo like, yeah. like who's to say I mean Blizzard isn't having Overwatch at Evo Right, right. It's they've got. Is it more of a fighting game convention? Yeah, Evo is exclusively exclusively fighting, fighting games. games. Yeah, like what's what's to stop people from creating their own conventions like Nintendo, where it's like, hey, we're going to have all these tournaments for Mario Kart mm-hmm. and for Smash, and we're pulling all our stuff from Evo. Like, what's to stop stuff like that from happening? Um, I think that there's just a lot of money in Evo, mm-hmm. um, but Capcom is already doing something like that, where they have 
they still participate in Evo, but they also have their own Capcom Cup that they introduce to Street Fighter V. Sure. Where it's like they'll have their own tournaments that they set up. Um, the helicopter's like right yeah. over us. <laughs> yeah. like, you they're, were talking too really, much about Capcom. They're really excited about the Street Fighter, the Capcom <laughs> Cup. But Deploy Blanca. <laughs> he yeah. just lands in here and starts killing my, us. I just got my ass kicked by a Blanca yeah. the other day. Like, but, Did um, you really? Yeah, he just came out as like a DLC character like the other, like a <laughs> month ago, I think. But yeah, um, they kind of already have their own thing like that. According to Capcom... Jesus, was there a shooting? What's going on? <laughs> In Barnesville Park, apparently. You do not record Geekscape in the park. <laughs> Shut them down now. But as far as that, like, as far as their financials showed, it seems like the biggest source of revenue for them right now, aside from, like, Monster Hunter World, because that sold, like, a billion copies. Sure. But, like, they're actually, they are actually are starting to recoup some of their losses by, like, through these tournaments. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of already kind of setting the standard for the for having their own self-contained events and that kind of thing. It's just that I don't think it's as popular... I don't think it's popular enough to really spread to other companies. I think, if anything, it's served as more of a warning that companies shouldn't do things like this because Street Fighter's been out now for, what, three, two or three years, and they're seemingly just now starting to get a foothold, and even then the sales are, like, millions upon millions of copies below Street Fighter <laughs> wow. Four. So with something like Overly... Mm-hmm. You've got some of their top players realizing that they can make more money going back to Twitch and just working with sponsorships and viewers. Right. What's to stop, like, what gets Blizzard over the hump with some, like, investment, like uh, their own sports league, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's streamed and they've got the infrastructure to have, like, an arena. There's an arena for it and there's a live studio audience. Like, that's a lot of overhead. They've really invested in having this esports thing take off. Um, I think Blizzard, more than almost any other developer specifically, is like, we're going for the esports thing. To have some of your major players mm-hmm. go back to Twitch to make money, how do they stop that migration from happening? Um, that's a good question because if, if anything, the Overwatch League is just going to boost their profile, so then they'll have even more incentive at the end of the season to. <laughs> just go back to Twitch because they'll be more well-known and they can get more out of sponsors. Um, but you're losing money during the season, right? It's like if LeBron James was like, hey, I can make more money with this new three-on-three tournament mm-hmm. than playing in the NBA. Right. You know, the, the sponsors are on Twitch. The advertisers are on Twitch. The audience is already on Twitch. They're trying to sell a similar streaming service mm-hmm. specifically for Overwatch how do they keep that migration from happening that's the biggest worry is like yeah. what innovations have to happen to the Overleague and maybe there's a question for Rocco and it's a good question for their show mm-hmm. maybe they've discussed it um, what are some of the innovations that have to happen for a company like Capcom to go further into the esports arena and make sure that people aren't just going back to Twitch right well with with the Capcom it's a little bit different from Overleague because with Overleague they're treating it like a like a sports team like sure. a sports season so they're kind of locked in for that period of time and I'm guessing they have like a base amount that they get paid and all that plus incentives for different things I mean in terms of Overwatch League really the only solution I could think of is just to pay them more pay, but, yeah or attract sponsors but that means eyeballs right, right like yeah. attract people who can who can really make these players mm-hmm. lives a little better yeah. than and grinding at a monitor for 20 hours. Right, yeah. But like with Capcom, it's more of a tournament-style thing. So it's like you play that one tournament, and depending how well you do, that's your, you get a certain amount of the prize money. And people aren't really watching that stuff on Twitch? 
Um, they do, but I mean, Twitch is like separate. They're lo- they're not really locked in for a long period of time to participate in that tournament. Got if it. Anything that tournaments usually maybe a weekend long. Right. If they win, they win. How? Let's just throw out a number: a million dollars. Was Overwatch too? Was Overleague too aggressive in its scope? Um, it's it's like think, unwieldy at that point. I think they underestimated how popular the individuals were going to get, as opposed to just the teams as a whole. Right. Because um, they're very much marketing it as they don't really. And I'm I'm not as well versed on the Overwatch League as um, as the hosts on the Overleague are, but from what I from what I have seen, and, and I went to a taping myself like a few weeks ago, which yeah. was really cool. But um, the way that they market it, they don't typically market individuals; they market the team. Sure. And I think they're banking on, oh, we're going to sell a bunch of LA Valiant merch, and and like in in Overwatch, you could pay real money to buy costumes that are essentially like jerseys. Of whatever your favorite team is, but so, not the players, right? So now I think it's time to find out who like the Magic, the Michael, and the Larry are. Yeah. For because you know I was telling people this yesterday. I was teaching a transmedia class in, at the college, and we were talking about Overwatch mm. and the extension of that Overleague. And you got to remember that any of these new initiatives, like even NBA basketball, wasn't what it was until the '80s with the instru- with the addition of superstars Mm -hmm. and I know there were superstars before that but there wasn't the exposure and up through the 70s players for like the Celtics like Dave Cowens drove cabs during the summer right and they they even allowed like a competing basketball you know association in the ABA to show up and that had an innovation in the three-point line and things were added to the NBA and blah 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 but maybe they need a competitor yeah. Maybe these three players go and start their own league. Yeah. And these things merge. These things create innovation for against each other. Yeah. And even if they start trying to build and maybe it's maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves and sure. this is too much to ask for a first season, but maybe going forward you do put more focus on the star players. Right. You put them more in the marketing. You maybe come out with uh skins in the game that have some kind of focus on the individuals instead of just the team as a whole and, play, and pay you start those really characters them. accordingly yeah and you pay them accordingly exactly because like even within the game when you buy the jerseys a cut of the money that they earn from those uh, costumes go to the team as a whole but again it's also focused on marketing the team and not marketing individuals right and you know who's carrying the payload yeah like you know who's carrying the team uh, and also, while we're at it, pay college athletes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what else in E3? We are we are at an hour mm-hmm. plus. What else on E3 that you think, who's going to surprise us? And what are some of the rumors that you don't think are going to come through? Um, it's hard to say because now that we've, we're talking about leaks earlier, so much is leaked that I feel like there's very little left to surprise us. But I think we're going to get a Kingdom Hearts 3 release date. I'm... It, hoping it's going to be this year, which will be a huge surprise in and of itself because of how long sure. it's been delayed. Um, I'm really hoping we see Shenmue 3 at some point. Uh, that one I've been waiting for that came for, what, like 15 years? Yeah. So there's that. Um, Last of Us 2, I'm going to have a really, really close eye on Last of Us 2 because I'm in the minority again, but I didn't really, I didn't dislike it, but I thought it was just kind of a game. Whereas people call it, and Derek's one of them, on one of the co-hosts on the Geekscape Games podcast where he's, you know, he says it's a masterpiece and everything. He also loves heavy cinematics in his games. Yeah, and the cinematics weren't even the issue as much as the whole point of the game is that the enemies are trying to chase a little girl you're protecting and 
the idea in the story is that you're supposed to protect her, but when you're actually playing, she, her AI or whatever, she's never in cover, she's running in front of enemies, she's not even remotely trying to hide, and then all the enemies just, they don't have any reaction to her at all. Right, they so she's invincible. You. She's not only invincible, but they act like she's not there. They don't interact <laughs> with her at all, unless <laughs> it's like a scripted human scene. Human shield. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it took me, it took me out of the immersion completely, because if my goal is to protect her, then I... Like with God of War, um, the enemies will constantly attack Courtney's son. Yeah, and, um, yeah, the kid. The, yeah, they'll constantly I think she's attack. had a. I think she's had a psychotic break. <laughs> she really thinks the kid from God of War is her actual son. But um, but yeah, the kid. The enemy's goal is to attack you more than the kid. But when the kid gets in the way, they'll attack him. Yeah, and a big part of the strategy of the combat in that game is to be able to have the kid like distract them enough so that you could hit their weak points and that kind of stuff sure so if a game like that can do it like god of war can do it and the kid's not even really the focus then why couldn't a game like last of us have the slightest semblance that you're supposed to protect her when yeah when that what that's the whole point of the story so i'm really hoping that we see something that'll kind of shift my attention like or get my attention and kind of shift my opinion on it and there's also e- games like Eco that have the, that history of having to walk another character through the story, mm-hmm. and it opens up to like puzzles and things like that that are fun. But in Eco, you always didn't want to drift too far, or else you'd lose it, right. lose your lose the character you're supposed to be bringing through the story. Um, okay, any other rumors, things you're looking forward to the most as we wrap up this episode? Uh, yes, last February they announced that a new Fire Emblem game was coming in 2018 you ain't getting it. Nope. and Not they haven't it. said a word about it Not yet. Not getting so. it. Nope. You check that. your mobile device. That's where you're getting your game. <laughs> I, I stopped playing that. That was such a money sink. Dude, um, I, I played it for a weekend and I was like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, no, you, you, you got off way sooner than I there's still an Animal Crossing game coming on mobile. Yeah, that was another rumor that... In, yeah, I'm maybe hoping we get some Zelda. Nintendo's style lately is to only release like a handful of huge things every year. Yeah. And with Smash Brothers coming out, I feel like they're already kind of met that met that um, ideal. But yeah, there was a leaked screenshot supposedly of a new Animal Crossing on Switch. I mean, I feel like it's not a matter of if, but when Animal Crossing is coming out. It but it saved the 3DS. Yeah. Like that Animal Crossing basically saved that 3DS in the when it was do not doing well mm-hmm. when it yeah. first started launching and then Animal Crossing came out and everyone rushed out to buy Happy Home Designer yeah, well El Chucho was threatening them yeah El Chucho was like <laughs> buy the game or else <laughs> or else you want to bleed yeah right yeah but uh, we got you know I'm I don't think that if we're going to talk about false rumors I don't think the Animal Crossing thing is going to come true I think it's a little bit early sure um, as far as I think that Smash is pretty much going to be their in, almost their entire focus. Is um, the Amiibo done? No, but it's it's not done, but it's definitely slowed down. Yeah, it's it's not going the way of Disney Infinity yet or Lego Lego Dimensions. Lego yeah. Dimensions, but it seems like the 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 Toy to Win model is starting to uh, go down, which is great for the pocketbook. Yeah. Um, great for the space in my apartment. Great for the space in the apartment, and clearly, I think I'm pretty. It's pretty safe to say that the amiibos will work with the new Smash Brothers. I'm yeah, almost positive. It'd be yeah. stupid, but they will sell the new characters that they put out. I'm guessing. And even though I'm probably not going to play the new Smash Brothers, if they make a Professor Layton, I'm getting that <laughs> amiibo just to have the professor in my office. Yeah, and then like on that subject too, I'm really hoping for uh, Rex and Pyra from Xenoblade 2 which just came out in December and actually sold uh, way more copies than I was expecting when Nintendo released their financial statement but 
I'm really hoping we get Rex and Pyra in Smash Brothers. I'm hoping that we get a lot of like third-party surprises. I kind of touched on Crash earlier. I would be happy to see both Crash and Spyro with the remakes both coming to Switch. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll hopefully see some Metroid Prime 4 gameplay. Sure. Um, I'm hoping Microsoft surprises us with anything at this point. Cause yes. Remember when Halo was the, was the king of the roost? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you bought Bungie. Mm. You did all this stuff. And what do we have to show for it? You guys were kings of a lot of these. You guys were kings of the first-person shooter. You guys were kings of a lot of this stuff. Mm. They need... They need a... I mean, they, I think they, going into E3 more than anybody, have to really knock one out of the park. Yeah. And even then, though, if, even if they do knock it out of the park, I feel like their wind, brand yeah. is somewhat damaged at this point where people aren't going to come away excited regardless. But it's going to be a process of building up good faith again. Right. And that starts with releasing a bunch of great games that are going to be that you can only find on an Xbox system and it's a it's a strong consumer standpoint but it's really bad for the Xbox brand but if they want the Xbox brand to thrive they need to stop this PC cross play not cross play but can't remember what they called it right but basically every Xbox exclusive that's come out since like Gears of War 4 I think has been both on PC and Xbox so it's like cool now I can just get a PC yeah. and I have no incentive to buy an Xbox. I, yeah, I understand it for a game like Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Where it is, it's basically an MMO from the start. Mm-hmm. But yes, a game that is a AAA hardcore game like Gears of War, it seems like you definitely want to keep that selfishly to your console. Yeah. And like if I were to give like a bolder prediction that's backed by absolutely no <laughs> rumors or evidence... Uh, again, back to Crimson Skies. Bring another Crimson Skies. That'd be awesome. Bring Mech Assault. Bring all those great games that they were on the original Xbox that just kind of got abandoned. Sure. The, the competitive game that Derek played three times. Oh, and Fusion Frenzy? No, they could, they could keep Fusion no, Frenzy. No, no. Dude, Fusion Frenzy was fun. I hated that game. And Part 2 was even worse. Like, part two oh, is... Don't play Part 2, but Fusion <laughs> Frenzy. When you're on that spiral, you're running up the spiral, and you have to duck and jump. Oh, yeah. On those obstacles, you get knocked off that screw. Uh-huh. Dude. We're, we're going to play... Fusion, Fusion Frenzy was the only other game I was good at other than the Tetris. And then... Uh, and then like <laughs> Fusion the, Frenzy VR. <laughs> Fusion Frenzy VR, jeez. Or, yeah. or, or God of War VR where, where Courtney can actually raise a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There's, like, so many weird games, like, on PS... Like, PlayStation 4 is becoming the new Vita. There's, like... Did, did you see that game where you, like... Raise a school, not raise, but like you take care of a schoolgirl. Is that the one that somebody posted to the Geekscape uh, Forever group <laughs> yeah, and said yeah, Jonathan yeah. has a new game? Yeah. And I didn't read it, but it's so you raise a schoolgirl? It's like you, Fuck that. she comes home every day and you just wait for her at home and you could like help her with her homework or help her get dressed and all this stuff. That's the creepiest shit ever. There's, this, there's this video no. of some Japanese guy who's like ecstatic. No. He's like flipping out and like calling out her no. name and trying to reach her and stuff. I, I love that, that they're not ignoring <laughs> the, the neckbeard market. Like uh, the incel neckbeard market is still pretty healthy. I think that I think the incel neckbeard market is what keeps PlayStation yeah. afloat sometimes. It's like, hey, didn't want to go see Solo? Stay home and play this game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and like as far as Microsoft, I think a real a real like ace in the hole that they have right now that they would really benefit from is their is their crossplay in terms of being able to play third party games, multi platform games with other platforms. Right. So not not really with their exclusives. I think that hurts them. But right. Being able to play Rocket League with Switch players. Well, part of me, I mean, Sea of Thieves, mm-hmm. I, w- I would be really excited about playing, but I don't. 
have any other reason to buy an Xbox. Yeah. Like, you but know. do like do stuff like that. Like, they've already had collaborations with Nintendo over the years. Like, they released a mech. The last Mech Assault game to come out was on the th- was on the DS. Right. Um, so, like, do stuff like that. Integrate the community. <laughs> I think they even said that with Minecraft that you can get Xbox achievements on the Switch version if you have your Minecraft accounts linked between the two. And that um, yeah, Microsoft bought them, so yeah, don't so, see the problem. So with stuff like that, like expand on that more, like. Sony is really at, and they really have no incentive to entertain crossplay because they're the kind of the top like kings of the mountain right now. Sure. But really, with Microsoft outside of the exclusive games, just really kind of work on building that community um, across platforms. Um, let people know that your achievements will carry over on the Switch version, and that gives you a reason to have both because then you can play at home on your Xbox and you can play on the road with your Switch version. Sure. And it benefits everybody all around. So, well, this, I think the point of the Switch is you can play at home too. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, but, well, Xbox has to figure it out. Yeah, Xbox has a lot of, and I th- they're still, I think, really hurt by their whole attempt at DRM from sure. a few years ago, sure. when the Xbox One first launched. So, sure. At this point, I feel like the Xbox One might be not. I don't want to completely say a lost cause, but they're not going to catch up to Sony. So, what their best move would be is just to build good faith. Sure. And I think that's really what they need to do going into the conference. Okay, Geekscapist. There you have it, our pre-E3 episode. Again, want to give a shout-out to Fanguru. Go download that app right now, especially if you're going to be walking around the convention because you want to use that AR experience. This is, for sure, your Swiss Army knife for fan conventions. We're going to be partnering with them, hopefully again, at Comic-Con. So we're going to have that booth. At Comic-Con, you guys are gonna ha- we have some cool stuff planned for you guys. Come down to Comic-Con and hang out with us if you're not going to make it to E3. If you are making it to E3, look for that Fanguru AR stuff to jump up on Monday, and you'll have reasons to run all over the convention center ga- getting tickets or coins uh, and points so that you can cash in for some cool real-world prizes. Um, Josh, dude, thank you for coming on the show yeah, and no hanging problem. out with me in this beautiful park yeah. um, at this uh, amazing Barnesville Art Park. Uh, at the Frank Lloyd Wright building. It's <laughs> yeah. one of the original Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright buildings. No problem. Thanks for having me. And, and uh, Luckily, we didn't get shot by the helicopters. The helicopters did not see us as a threat. Um, it's very peaceful. Uh, Geeks gave us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. Come join us. Come hang out. Obviously, we're at geekscape.net. We're going to get a remodel here in the next couple months on that website. Uh, Josh is on all those platforms as Inu Joshua. I believe that is on uh, social and gaming, right? Yes, sir. So you're Inu Joshua across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just at Jonathan Lennon on Twitter. And just keep looking around. You'll find Jonathan Lennon. It's really easy. I gave up my cell phone number today on Facebook because I don't <laughs> care. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, thanks for keeping Geekscape going. And um, we'll, let, we'll touch base after E3 and see if any of this stuff came true and what we thought as we do a wrap-up. Cool? All right. All right, Geekscapist, over and out.